Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for critical thinking. Why, yes, indeed, it is time for critical thinking. Thank you to each and every one of you who join us via Rumble, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, or, of course, via podcast. We're with you every single Monday through Friday, dropping at noon Eastern time. If you want to support the show, the easiest way to do so is actually just watch us on Rumble. The other easy way is by going to criticalthinking.locals.com backslash subscribe. Uh, Pat and I are working out uh, a couple of ideas in the background, uh, to give you the subscriber, you the member of the critical thinking community, you critical thinkers out there, extra content uh, for your support for the show. Uh, we we greatly appreciate the support that we have gotten um, since going independent literally a day ago, and um, we're excited for the future of this show. Pat obviously is not with me today. If you're watching on our Rumble page. Um, I gave him the day off. Uh, he's had a heck of a week, shall we say, um, with all the stuff going on in, in his uh, in his home. So I gave him the day off to rest, relax, and uh, recharge. We'll see if he comes back tomorrow. Uh, but rest assured, he will be back at least come Monday. Greatest Jimmy Buffett song of all time. Fight me at the Coppin Show. <laughs> Seriously, folks, uh, we have a lot to get into today. And um, we, we had loved on Thursdays for a while, kind of focusing on local topics and, um, well, my home state of Wisconsin, where I grew up and was born and raised and, um, lived for the better part of 30 plus years. Um, they, they're, uh, one to give apparently, uh, when it comes to insanity and, and topics that we need to cover. Also. Here in Illinois, it is a time for rejoicing. But before I get into all of that, 
Um, again, you can follow on social media. I am at the Coppins Show. That's C O double P E N S C O double P E N S for those of you who are new to the program. And thank you so much for the explosive growth, by the way, on our Rumble page. Um, we've seen dramatic increases in those of you who have been tuning in, and we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Continue uh, to go there. Again, that's rumble.com backslash critical thinking. All right, but before we get into things happening here in Illinois and rejoicing and, um, well, the insanity that is coming out of the state of Wisconsin, um, I wanted to address something because yesterday was Ash Wednesday, and the show is about facts, faith, freedom, and free markets. And I wanted to address something because uh, my wife and I, um, yes, we share our Christian faith, but I'm Catholic, and she attends a Presbyterian church or sometimes non-denominational, um, but we are we are rooted in our faith, and that is really the rock bed, the bedrock, I should say, of our relationship, is our relationship with God and having faith. Um, so yesterday was Ash Wednesday, and my wife's church is a, quite a bit away from where we live, so um, I volunteered to go, even though I had already gone to Ash Wednesday Mass at the local church just down the street from me. And as I'm attending this Mass, I was struck by a dichotomy. Not so much in the dichotomy of how the worshiping went, because I'm well aware of the differences between a Presbyterian and a uh, Catholic Mass, although they're really not that different. It's just a difference in how they do certain things. But that notwithstanding, what I was struck by is I, I went to Mass for the first time in person since the pandemic began, because for me, going to Mass is, is an experience. It is about building that relationship between yourself and God through the words of your priest and through the the body and blood that you receive. And I was struck by, yes, Ash Wednesday can be a somber moment in a little bit of a way, because obviously we learn that we are from dust and dust we shall return, right? Ash to ash, dust to dust. And that's why you wear ashes on your forehead on Ash Wednesday. But the whole point of Ash Wednesday is that this is the start of the renewal of our spirit, the renewal of our relationships with God, and the renewal in the knowledge that Jesus is about to die for our sins so that our sins may be forgotten. It's about a renewal of the spirit that you know that you are mortal in this world, but you will achieve immortality and perfection in the next because of your belief in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and of God. But what I was struck by as I walked into Mass at noon, and I doubt it was much different at 7 o'clock or at 7 p.m., but what I was struck by 
was the dichotomy of the two masses and how they were perceived in my own mind. So I walk into my church, and with the mask mandates and vaccine passports and everything all lifted here, it's been a while since I've been in in church. I have watched church, but being in church and watching church are two very different experiences, obviously. But I, I walk in, and I don't have a mask on. There's no signs about masks, and, and there's that that moment where you're sure you're not sure what you should be or shouldn't be doing. And, and in my conviction, if they were going to require masks, I was going to walk right back out because I was not about to attend mass in fear, not fear of COVID-19, but in, in fear in general. So I walk in and there are some older people, and, and they are masked up, and whatever, that's fine. That's your personal decision. But as church continues to fill up in the 15 minutes before Mass begins, I'm starting to look around, and I'm feeling a little alone in this uh, not-mask situation. Suddenly, I look around, and I'm one of maybe four people out of the 100 or so that are seated and I'm wondering to myself, uh, did I miss a memo? And then um, our priest for the the mass comes out and he talks to the um, to the music director, and both of them are wearing masks. Now, mind you, the mask mandate has been lifted in this city, and that mandate had applied to churches, had applied to houses of worship from the very get go. And I'm thinking to myself, did I miss a memo? Did I miss something? Like, what's going on here? So then I attend, and I and so then I I've got that feeling, right? That really weird feeling. And then mass goes on, and the masks stay on for the priest, the deacon, everybody involved, except for the um, the lector for the day. She gets up and gives the two readings, and she's not wearing a mask. I'm not wearing a mask. Three other people within shouting distance of me are not wearing masks, and that's about it. So about, I would say about 90% mask wearing. And that's fine if that's your personal choice. I, I don't care about that, and I'm about to get to that in a minute. But I thought it was weird. And I thought it was weird from a perspective that's not about the health battle or the science battle or anything of that nature. I thought it was weird from a spiritual nature. And I couldn't shake that feeling after I'd left Mass. And um, somebody else in my building happens to have attended that Mass and we're walking back. And um, we were both like, yeah, it was really strange. I felt really weird. And, and we got to talking about that. So I wasn't alone in this feeling. But we go to my wife's church for 7 p.m. Mass, and um, we were lucky enough to have counseling um, pre-marriage from one of the pastors at, at that church. And 
we see them and we see the other two uh, pastors. They're not wearing masks. And the church is full. Like, I mean, we got there at just the right time. And in about the three or four minutes afterwards, the church is full. It is absolutely full. Pews are full. And it's about 90% unmasked individuals. Now, the makeup is a little bit different. There are a lot of younger families in the mix, much more so than the attendance at my mass that I went to in my Catholic church. But as I'm sitting there, I get a different feeling, a different vibe, if you will. And it dawns on me as their mass is continuing, and I'm there to support my wife, and more importantly, it's dark out, and it's the city of Chicago right now. There's some strange things happening, even in safe neighborhoods. So I went with my wife for that perspective, but also there's nothing wrong with supporting my wife and and her church journey as well. She supports mine and sometimes attends, especially if there's no um, incense. Um, she gets weird headaches from that and stuff like that, but that's neither here nor there. So here I am sitting there as, as worship is beginning, and the music is always joyful, so I already know to expect that at that church. But I got the sense of what Ash Wednesday is supposed to be about. Renewal. Joy. That's really what Ash Wednesday is supposed to be about, right? And it got me, a light bulb kind of went off in my head. The church is not supposed to be a house of fear. Now, sure, the joke is, you know, Catholic guilt and Catholic shame and, and all of those things, right? You've got confession and, and all of those things. But there's a difference between fearing the power of the Lord, right, and walking into a house of worship and being fearful. And then I look, the light bulb goes off as I watch the various pastors interact, and, and I'm watching people smiling. I'm watching people hugging and renewing in their fellowship in the Lord. Did that happen one bit at my Catholic Mass? No. And it got me to this point. It was about the projection from the pulpit, if you will. Here I am at my Mass, and the Catholic Church here in Chicago, I don't know if that's the case everywhere, but here in Chicago, two days out of lift of the mask mandate, is still projecting fear, still projecting it. Yes, that was a nod to my Canadian friends. But they're projecting fear, right? Because masks are the symbol of fear. And more importantly, in a faithful way, should we not be removing the shrouds around us so that when we are renewing our faith, so that when we are 
joining in fellowship with others. We are not living in fear. How many verses in the New Testament of the Bible speak to do not be afraid, do not live in fear? And here you are as the embodiment of that, that vestige, that that connection between us and Jesus Christ and the Holy Trinity. And what message do you send by how you look, how you interact? There was no sign of the peace, even though there's always that. The only time the priest took his mask off was to give the um, gospel and his sermon. Versus, there was no time where a mask was put on at my wife's church. There was no time in which I felt strange and looking around. Now, there was a little bit when they gave the sign of the peace of hesitancy amongst some people because you weren't sure. Like, some people were wearing a mask, so do they want to be touched? Do they not want to be interacted with like that? And eventually... As the fellowship, as the sign of the peace was shared, even those wearing masks were giving the sign of the peace, right? Shaking hands and um, showing fellowship. Because of the leadership that was provided by projecting fellowship, projecting no fear. So what are you doing, Catholic Church, here in Chicago? What are you doing? You are supposed to be projecting faithfulness, fellowship, but not fear. Fear is the work of the devil. And you must cast the devil out in the house of worship. Yet, even after the earthly dictates... Never mind the question of why are you listening to earthly dictates when you are supposed to be listening to the dictates of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Never mind that argument. You have now taken the earthly argument out of the picture. What you doing, bro? Why are you living in fear when we should be telling people to not be fearful, to trust in the Lord to guide us. So here I am, one mass back in, and I'm wondering to myself, has the Catholic Church completely lost its way here in Chicago? Now, if you are of the Catholic faith in other parts of the country, I ask you, Are your priests still masked up? Have they been masked up? Are they projecting fear like as happening here? And if so, you have to wonder if the spirit of the age is working within our cardinal, the archbishop here 
in Chicago. Now, do you want to be safe around elderly people? Potentially, yes, but they, if they, again, if, if they believe those masks are going to help them, wear them. But you as a priest, that is fear. I got a vibe of being afraid from one church and not from the other. It was a really powerful personal moment for sure. All right. I'm Dominic Izzo. And I'm Common Sense Ashley. And we'd love you to join us every Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern for The Rants of Izzo. We will be talking about everything from politics to porn. Can you handle it? And your sister's ass. Uh, and what happens if they don't listen to us, Ashley? You're dead to us. That's it. It's plain and simple. That's it. There's You're no, dead to us. No other point for this promo whatsoever. Make sure you join us. You can watch us live. You can comment, call in. Rantsofizzo.com. Rantsofizzo here Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's right. Every day. Monday through Friday. Don't Nothing miss else. it. That's it. We're done. That's cool. it. Promo cut. Here Love ya. All right, Bye. cool. See ya. I hit that button. There we go. We need a, by the way, we need an intern. Now, the other part of last night for me, um, we leave church and, and I was a good boy. Never checked my phone, even though it was blowing up nonstop over the course of the hour and 20 minute mass um, at the, at the Presbyterian church. And by the way, Presbyterians, are your mass that long? Because holy balls. I'm used to maybe 45 minutes to an hour, but an hour and a half. Holy smokes, people. Anyway, let me know at the Coppin Show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parlor, Getter. But as I leave, and, and we're going to get into everything local here. As I leave, I get a notification that um, ex-Illinois Speaker of the House and I would argue poster child for um, political grift, Michael Madigan, Mike Madigan, the guy who held a grip over as a old white man over a predominantly Hispanic and African-American district in uh, southwest um, Chicago. And ruled with an iron fist over the state, basically, for the last 40 years. Well, he is indicted, indicted, indicted on federal racketeering charges. This from the Chicago Tribune. The 22-count indictment returned by a federal grand jury comes after years-long federal investigations and alleges that Madigan participated in an array of bribery and extortion schemes from 2011 to 2019. Now, the important part of this indictment in this federal grand jury is that they are looking at just a couple of different companies. This has been going on since the beginning of Michael Madigan's power grab in Springfield, Illinois. But it continues. Uh, he's participated in an array of bribery and extortion schemes from 2011 to 2019 aimed at using the power of his office for personal gain. The long-awaited charges punctuate a stunning downfall for Madigan, the longest-serving leader of any legislative chamber in the nation, 
who held an ironclad grip on the state legislature as well as the Democratic Party and its political spoils. Now, he was dethroned in as the speaker in 2021 as rumors of this investigation and his corruption swirled. And then soon after he lost it, he resigned his House seat, his Illinois legislative seat that he has held since 1971. Yes, I said 1971. 1971. How many of you in the audience were even alive? I still had 10 years to go before I was born. To put that into perspective for you. And I'm 40 years old. Now, also charged in the indictment was Madigan's longtime confidant, Michael McLean, a former state legislator and lobbyist who is facing separate charges, alleging he orchestrated an alleged bribery scheme by Commonwealth Edison, or ComEd, more commonly known as, here in the state, um, which is the most powerful of the utility companies here. Unbelievable. The indictment accuses Madigan of illegally soliciting business for his private property tax law firm as well during discussions to turn a state-owned parcel of land in Chinatown, here in Chicago, into a commercial development. So there, as I get out of that church service, right, with that sense of renewal and positivity and joy, I get to rejoice some more. Because ding dong, the first of the things for Michael Madigan are about to befall him. We might get some justice for his 50 years of grift, of rigging the game, of hell that he put the state through for his own personal gain. You think Blagojevich was bad, Rob Blagojevich here in the state of Illinois. You think that grift was bad, right? Trying to sell the U.S. Senate seat. You think that was bad. Michael Madigan is the single most grifted politician, single most evil politician to have ever, and I mean ever, served in any state house any Senate, any legislative body, anywhere in the country. And that includes the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House of Representatives, and the office of the President of the United States of America, folks. Ding dong, the untouchable is now feeling like he's about to go to jail. Now, the dude is old as dirt, and it's questionable as to whether he'll face much in the way of jail time, but it's over. It is finally over in terms of his ability to grip power in this state. Once and for all. Now, interestingly, and not so shockingly, because, well, if you're a Democrat, you better kiss the ring of Madigan, right? Fred Flintstone, I, I'm sorry, J.B. Pritzker, our governor here, well, um, hmm, 
the long-rumored uh, ties to Madigan turn out to probably be true. And if you're tied to Madigan, you're likely a grifter too. Turns out the indictment alleges that Madigan met with then-governor-elect J.B. Pritzker in December of 2018 in part to discuss a lucrative state board position for a, a friend of his, ostensibly as a reward for helping Madigan win law business. Daniel Solis, who was an alderman in the Chinatown area here in Chicago. I have to find out about who would be the proponent in the House, Madigan allegedly told Solis in the March 2018 conversation. We got to find the appropriate person for that. I have to think it through. Before the meeting, Solis allegedly recorded Madigan telling him the speaker's communication with Pritzker did not need to be in writing. According to the indictment, I can just verbally tell him. Now, magically, Pritzker, uh, Fred Flintstone, Pritzker, whomever, doesn't recall Madigan ever asking him to consider Solis for any position and that the administration has no record of the alleged recommendation. Sure you don't, because it was just a personal conversation, right? You corrupt bastard. I, I, what you have put the state through is unforgivable over the past two years. What you have done to the state since 2018 is unforgivable, in my view. What you've done to, to drain the talent, to watch the state become one of the top three states out-migrating, by the way, and not just to neighboring Wisconsin or Indiana or Missouri, but Texas, but Nashville area, but Florida. We've lost a congressional seat since you became president. Was some of this inevitable, inevitable because, well, you couldn't fix it all? Yeah. But at the same point in time, your policies have only further driven people out. We, we've seen people leave in droves, in greater numbers, by the way, every single year that you have been the governor of this quote-unquote great state. Now, from that state to um, my former home state, uh, the state that I call um, where I grew up, where I was born, where I was raised, the state of Wisconsin. And um, the election of 2020 is still being fought in that state. And as I sip my coffee, it reminds me to uh, let you all know that um, American Pride Roasters is the official coffee of critical thinking. Yes, that's right. They have signed an agreement with us, at least in um, so much as uh, talking to DMX and DM. Um, we have a verbal agreement between the two of us. Um, but yeah, they are the official coffee of Mojo 5 Radio, American Pride Roasters. We are in the works to create our own blend as well. So we're excited by that. That's part of the deal. And um, yeah, go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com right now. I've got Watson's White Caramel Chocolate in the uh, cup. Um, so you can check out all their flavored, unflavored, whatever you want. Um, they've got you. The coffee drops, by the way. Peace de resistance. That is the thing you must get. Go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com, the official coffee of critical thinkers everywhere.
But my state of Wisconsin, this comes from Just the News. That's right, Just the News. Wisconsin Special Counsel Bombshell. 91 nursing homes had 95 to 100% voter turnout in 2020. Um, now there's uh, a special counsel going on. Um, he used to be on the uh, state Supreme Court. And there's an election watchdog also watching this, and they're coming to very similar results. So the special counsel investigating suspected irregularities in Wisconsin's 2020 election has found that 91 nursing homes in the counties of Milwaukee, Racine, Dane, Kenosha, and Brown. Five of the most five of the six most populous uh, or populous areas of the state. Milwaukee is the biggest county. Brown is, well, Dane is probably second biggest. That's where Madison is. Brown County is the home of Green Bay. Then you've got Racine and Kenosha, which are right on the border. Uh, Kenosha, first on the border with the state of Illinois, and Racine on top of that. So you go Kenosha, Racine, Milwaukee if you're going up the lakefront. But they had voter turnout rates ranging from 95 to 100%. Again, 95 to 100% in a nursing home? Now, the overall nationwide participation rates of 67 in 2020 and 60% in those nursing homes in 2016. That's a bit skewed and a bit strange. But the story continues because the nursing home data only reflects voting at the facilities that the special counsel has, quote unquote, been able to vet to this juncture. So is it possible that that number lowers? Probably. But still, 91 nursing homes in the five of the six biggest counties, because Appleton's area might also be big, um, might be on par with the Kenosha or Racine County numbers. But anyway, there are more facilities in the counties, and after auditing those votes from other facilities, the above percentages may change. So, okay, so let's say they go from 95% to 90%. That's still insanity. And it all started because last November, the Racine County Sheriff's Office requested that the state attorney general investigate alleged illegal directive directives issued by the Wisconsin Election Commission to bypass the state's special voting deputy process. Without getting too far into the weeds, but basically the, the clerk of each municipality must bring enough ballots to each residential care facility to vote. What was being alleged in Racine County is that the um, the county clerk, right, for each municipality, basically what was going on is that they had sent absentee ballots to the nursing home residents by mail because, you know, COVID, right? The sheriff had found that the facility staff, in one instance, under the guise of, quote-unquote, helping residents to vote, had coaxed votes from some whose family members believed that they were incapable of voting. And I want to bring this up because we have talked long and hard about how this wasn't a case of dead grandma and grandpa voting, right? This wasn't a case of ballot stuffing that took place in 2020. What was taking place in this election was the Democratic Party using its stranglehold on the apparatuses, the apparatuses, if you will, of not only the election commissions, not only 
the bureaucracies, but also, in some cases, legislatures. But having municipal control. And then we talked about how they changed the voting regularities and how you could now mail out magically absentee ballots instead of them being requested and then you mail them out or you go fill out an absentee ballot. Again, mail out versus mail in. Two different concepts, my friends. But that is how this election was stolen in 2020, right out from under our noses. And it was done through the legal apparatuses, and then most importantly, by changing the rules of the game, so much so that the people who hadn't been planning on doing this, you know, kind of like the GOP, were at such a disadvantage that they wouldn't see <coughs> or be able to find where these new votes came from. Well, in the state of Wisconsin, it turns out it's very likely that there was a 30 to 40% increase in the number of people that voted in nursing homes. And whom do you think those nursing home residents voted for? Whom? Like in droves. Yeah, that's right. This certain Joseph Robinette Biden. Now, Phil Klein, director of a conservative election integrity watchdog called the, uh, the Amistad Project, uh, which conducted its own investigation, had this to say to Just the News on Tuesday, quote, it's quite remarkable. There's private money flowing in, government hired voter navigators go after nursing homes, and then suddenly 90-some-odd nursing homes in Wisconsin have 100% turnout. Even if people who unfortunately, due to their health conditions, are unable to read, unable to think, or even contemplate voting, let alone knowing who they want to vote for. Now, both Phil Klein and the special investigator, the special counsel, have on record subpoenaed testimony saying, quote, we have we have uh, videotaped depositions and interviews with the family members saying that my loved ones have not been able to vote for years and have been deemed to be incompetent, meaning you lose your right to vote, you lose your right to make decisions for yourself, according to the state. Now, Wisconsin State Election Clerk Linda Chincola recalled her fears that, in an interview last year, that the 2020 election, quote, wouldn't be a fair election because of private funding from public education administration. And we know that earlier this week, the Mark Zuckerberg-funded Center for Tech and Civic Life was found to be in violation of that integrity giving $8.8 .8 towards the administration 
of the 2020 election in the state of Wisconsin. Again, I'm going to read this to you. The Mark Zuckerberg-funded Center for Tech and Civic Life gave $8.8 million towards the administration of the 2020 election in Wisconsin. That is private funding of public election integrity. It is one thing for super PACs to exist, and, and I have questions as to whether or not that is the correct route that we should be going down. But it is a wholly a different thing when private individuals who have partisan ideas, even if it's the Center for Tech and Civic Life, right? Well, we're going to just technologically change the game. And, and, and we want civic engagement to go up. No, you actually just want people to vote for your preferred political candidate. When we go down the road of private funding, of public election, the corruption that could happen from that is astronomical. And that's why it got slapped down just this week by a state court here in Wisconsin. Well, not here in Wisconsin, but up in Wisconsin. Can't take the Wisconsinite out of the Wisconsinite. Now, one of uh, Shinkula's colleagues knew ahead of time, quote, how the outcome was going to come in November. She claims this because the colleague knew people who had registered nursing home residents who didn't normally vote and apparently had voted for them. And that's where these two things are tied together. Because if you can get $8 million to help fund your civic project, right? If you get $8.8 million to help fund the election, you can now hire people to go out and do those outreach things, right? You can hire people to go to the various nursing homes in a way that you couldn't before. But who the hell are you hiring? And who the hell is funding that hiring? More importantly, what is the directive that you are given, giving to those people? This all comes down to one thing and one thing only, the integrity of the election. And I come at this, and I've talked about this on air, almost ad nauseum, but I'm going to talk about it again. We have to look at our elections from a perspective of how do you create integrity around our elections? How do you make sure that the least amount of holes exist for people to cheat through? Instead, these new quote-unquote Voter Right Act laws, right, HB1, instead, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, because, you know, we, apparently we don't have uh, a, a vote. Oh, wait. Yeah, we do have a Voting Rights Act. And oh, wait, we have a constitutional amendment guaranteeing all of that and telling us what can and cannot be done. But folks, when we have an election cycle that shows us we have severe structural problems at play and we have one side of the political aisle looking at blowing those holes even further open? You have to fight. You have to fight. I don't know how more plainly or how more obvious this can get. 
that the system is corrupted from within. And it will never change if you don't put the apparatus in place or apparatuses or whatever in place. To buttress against that, and I have talked about this a thousand times over, the only way to do that is to create paper trails of absentee ballots, not drop boxes, not anything like that, okay? None of it, okay? None of that. We must not allow machines that can be corrupted very simply to be put in place. It is very simple. We must look to England. There's a paper ballot. There is a box that you drop that ballot off in which that box doesn't just record your ballot. It literally is transparent. You drop your vote in. And then the votes are hand counted. Now, I'm not saying that we hand count the votes because we're a much more populous country than, say, England is. And you're voting on more than one or two different things on every ballot. But when they go and take that box, right, and you go to a central location, we have the ability to watch that because if you watch the parliamentary elections of England, you literally see, and everybody sees the gymnasium or wherever they are, and you can see the votes being counted. That's where we need to be. We need to go back to the old-fashioned way because it's the only way to guarantee that elections are not changed. We can put cameras in polling places. We can do all of those things to watch just the ballot box itself. And if it's getting stuffed, we will be able to see it. You watch the chain of custody. You watch them put it in and count and tabulate, right? The only thing that we should be counting and tabulating by hand is how many ballots exist in that box, okay? So that person says 100 ballots, great. Now they feed them into the machine and suddenly 150 exist? Okay, we got a problem on our hands. We can cure that. But folks, I am telling you right now, do not buy the lie that this election was stolen via ballot stuffing and, and all that crap. It was stolen through those legal means. It was stolen right from underneath you, and yet let it happen, GOP. Now, what are you going to do about it is the question going forward. Right now, nothing. I have, have you seen the call for a return or, more importantly, an emphasis on how do we make sure on a municipal level that corruption like this doesn't happen ever again? Have you seen a rallying cry around this? No, because the GOP bought Trump's bullshit narrative Yes, I said that. They bought his narrative that this was a stolen election through nefarious means 
on election day itself. And that is not true. If you can lay this case out, the case of Maricopa County and other cases, to show why it's important to, number one, show up to the ballot box, or if you're infirmed, we have somebody show up for you, but there is not just a paper, but a video trail so that we can trace back every single step that was taken with that ballot. That's the only way we can trust our election cycle again. And it's why I struggle, honestly, to vote here in the state of Illinois, because I have no freaking clue. And then you have what's going on in, in Texas right now, in the Houston area, where people are literally being turned away. I mean, literally turned away. Oh, sorry, this isn't a GOP voting day. Only Democrats can vote today. That's literally what somebody said, refusing somebody to exercise their constitutional right and how it's supposed to be exercised in the state of, of Texas and in Harris County, which is the county that uh, Houston exists in. It's as simple as that kind of corruption, folks. It's as simple as saying, sorry, you can't vote today. They want to talk about suppressing votes. They want to talk about how they don't even want to count the black vote. You don't even want your people to allow Republicans to vote. Should we go down that road? Oh, that's just a rogue individual? How many of those exist? So we need a conversation over our framework of how our elections are done, how they're tabulated, and how we can end corruption in that voting process. Could technology be the answer? Or could just the old-fashioned hand in your ballot and it gets counted actually be the way forward? More importantly, we need a way to watch those who are in charge of counting. Now, having said all of that, I hope you have enjoyed the insanity because um, <clears throat> I have one more insane story before we leave you today. And this comes from, well, my hometown, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Headline, Green Bay woman dismembered man's body placed head in a bucket. And by the way, folks, uh, from here on out, um, I'm going to give you a five-second warning if you've got kids in the mix. Five, four, three, two, one. <clears throat> Officers found a severed head in a bucket at a home on Green Bay's west side and body parts in other locations in scenes reminiscent of a gory horror movie. Um, I don't want to name the person... But the person is 24 years old. It is a female charged with first degree intentional homicide, mutilating a corpse, and third degree sexual assault. A court commissioner set her bond at $2 million cash at a hearing on Tuesday. The details that I don't want to get into are horrific. So I will just say this. Don't do drugs, kids, because allegedly this was a meth bender for this offender who was also put on probation seven weeks before this, was supposed to be wearing electronic monitoring bracelets, but somehow removed it. 
And um, on February 23rd, police were called to a home by the owner of the home who found her own son's severed head. The alleged perpetrator of this gruesome murder had no clue that they had committed or why they did it, but they knew exactly what they were doing. The drug, the meth, just kept them doing it anyway. She was in a panic, left the head at the home, left body parts elsewhere because, well, she was in a manic state from a meth bender. Oh, no, by the way, apparently um, after she choked this dude out while having um, relations, she continued to have relations after she knew this guy was dead. She was able to give vivid detail as to how it all happened. And now today, of course, because everybody wants to dig into this gruesome story, allegedly she has been searching through history of Wisconsin's second most famous serial killer. No, not Ed Gein, but Jeffrey Dahmer. Explains the gross dismemberment of a corpse. What in the actual hell is going on in the state of Wisconsin? Now, we will be back tomorrow. Um, it will be a Fish Fry Friday, so we'll have a lot of stuff going on there for you. Um, until tomorrow, please be smart, be safe, be kind, and as always, Matthew 547. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.